These past couple of weeks, we witnessed our first UN climate change conference in nearly two years, a closer-than-expected governor's race, and a finally signed infrastructure bill. You're listening to Politics Politics, and these were the last couple of weeks, leading up to 12-12-2021. Hello everyone, I hope you've been having a nice couple of weeks. It's been some time since I've last uploaded, but I am pretty proud of this episode, so let us begin. In the last weekly roundup that I talked to you guys with, it was about the governor's race in Virginia, where a Republican, Glenn Youngkin, defeated Democrat Terry McAuliffe. But there was another important race that concluded later that week in New Jersey. New Jersey throughout its history has been a state that has consistently voted for Democrats to become president, but has switched frequently between voting Republicans and Democrats into the governor's office. This year's race was no different. We had Governor Phil Murphy and New Jersey General Assembly member Jack Chitterelli. And a New Jersey Assembly member is basically a representative, but not to like the National House of Representatives, just the New Jersey's House of Representatives. Governor Phil Murphy, in his time as the governor, had raised the minimum wage in New Jersey to $15, and he had managed to put a higher tax on millionaires. That's a move that Democrats, they've been trying to do nationally for quite some time. So doing it in New Jersey, that's pretty great if you're a Democrat. Governor Murphy was running again so he could complete his other goals, such as using cleaner energy and making housing more affordable. But Jack Chitterelli, on the other hand, he had his campaign based on lowering taxes in New Jersey. And New Jersey has the third highest taxes in the country. And the current government, Phil Murphy, had made it clear that he wasn't going to lower the state taxes anytime soon. And he even went as far as to say, if taxes are your issue and you're a one-issue person, then New Jersey probably isn't your state. Now, yes, high taxes, they are a pain in the butt. At the same time, they are the reasons we have public libraries where, you know, we get books for free. They help pair firefighters, allow us to attend public schools. And why New Jersey's taxes are so high? It's complicated, but basically has to do with high property costs and large budgets for New Jersey schools. And it pays off because New Jersey is known for wanting, is known for having one of the best school systems in the country. Overall, Chirelli wasn't like a hardcore Republican. Well, a hardcore Trumpican? I'm not sure if that's even a thing. But he, he was more moderate, I guess. He was going with respectable things like economic recovery, especially after the COVID-19 pandemic, lowering greenhouse gas emissions, making healthcare more affordable. This New Jersey governor race expected to be nearly as close as it was because Biden had easily won New Jersey. But in the polls taken the weeks and months before the election, Phil Murphy, he had a solid double-digit lead over Jack Chitterelli. But election day turned out to be very different. There was actually a point where Chitterelli was leading Phil Murphy for a solid couple of hours. And... Right now, currently, we don't know how it became so close because the thing is, New Jersey didn't have any exit polls. And exit polls are questions that you get asked after voting. So, like, submit your vote, and then there's just a bunch of questions. So, like, what gender are you? Your age group, whether you have a college degree or not, these types of things. But New Jersey didn't have any exit polls because no one thought the race would be this close. So, until later, when all of this data comes out slowly, then we'll find out what happened. 
So we don't know if, like, the days before the election, if Chitarelli managed to convince white, over, white voters over the age of 60 with no college degrees to vote for him. That's just an example. But in the months later, we'll find this out. Either way, it took 10 days for the counting to, you know, officially be over. It was clear. Phil Murphy, it was clear he would win far before that. But the thing was, Jack Chitterelli, he held out like accepting loss for as long as he could. And he didn't do it just because he thought the election was rigged or anything. He wanted it to get he wanted the race to get so close to the point where there was only a one point difference between them and he could ask for a recount. Now, that one point never came. And eventually he did accept his loss, but he said he'll run again in 2025. And with how close he got this year, he seems like he has pretty great chances. COP26, or UN Climate Change Conference, took place recently in Glasgow, Scotland. Hundreds of representatives, presidents, prime ministers, and activists from almost 200 countries met for two weeks to discuss and, in the end, make a plan for how they were going to reduce the number of greenhouse gases released into the atmosphere. Greenhouse gases are the gases that allow sunlight to pass through, but they trap heat at the same time. And usually, they're not a bad thing, but we're at the point where we've released so many to the atmosphere that we're just trapping too much heat inside the earth and not letting enough out. And from there, we get global warming. Now, before before I continue, I just want to say there's this goal that is fairly unrealistic at this point, and that is to make sure that the world temperature doesn't rise by 1.5 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels. Really, every single bit our earth rises in temperature is going to bring more unseen disasters it's not necessarily 1.5 degrees every single bit that we warm is going to have major consequences for the earth and if you want an example of global warming just look at california consistently california every year has humongous wildfires spreading millions of acres and the reason these wildfires get as powerful as they do is because of global warming, supercharging them with rising temperatures. We've also seen how hurricanes are able to stall more, and the more they stall, the more they gain in power. And once they reach land, they last in land much longer due to rising temperatures. Hurricanes need warm weather, and global warming is giving them exactly that. However, once we reach 1.5 degrees Celsius, we'll face even worse flooding and humongous rises in sea levels. Up to 90% of all coral reefs will die, and storms and forest fires, they will become much more powerful. Now, managing to make sure we don't reach 1.5 degrees Celsius, it's very unlikely at this point. The Earth has warmed 1.27 degrees since pre-industrial times, and we are on track to reach up to 4 degrees Celsius by 2100 much higher than the target of 1.5. This, I mean, there's no, like, real exact reason, but you could you could narrow it down. It's mainly because of the top 20 countries on the list. Because the top 20 countries on the list account for over 75% of carbon added to the environment alone. In fact, China, the USA, and the European Union, these are just the top three countries. They account for half of all carbon dioxide released into the environment. 
And the other top 17 countries added up 75% in total. There are other points to look at, however. You know, China is responsible for 18.5% of the world's population, but is responsible for 28% of carbon dioxide released. India is responsible for about 18% of the world's population, but is only responsible for 7% of carbon dioxide emissions. The USA is responsible for about 4% of the world's population, but is responsible for 14% of carbon dioxide released into the atmosphere. So over three times its population compared to the world percentage. Last but not least, we have the European Union, which is actually just 28 out of the 44 countries in Europe. And um, they are responsible for about 6% of the world's population, but release 10% of all carbon dioxide. Just from these stats, you can see the US, we heave we heave out a lot of CO2, and it's not just that. It's also our population ratio with the CO2. It's, it's pretty high, and in this case, that's a bad thing. China and the European Union, they also release a ton. It's not as bad as the USA does, but it's much above their population, and it could be improved by a good amount. And India being the fourth country on the list, like, yeah, 7%. It's a lot. But the fact that they account for 18% of our population... They, they release low amounts of carbon dioxide. And it's mainly because India is a very rural country. It's not, it's not like everyone has cars or their major factories because not everyone even has, ac- lots of the people don't have access to electricity. It's still a developing country. And this, I think these four countries, it can show you the climate situation in the world. We have rich countries, fully developed, releasing tons of CO2. The population has access to cars and budget. vast majority of the country has electricity. The economy is great. Most of these people have jobs, which amounts to a ton of electricity being used and a ton of CO2 being released into the atmosphere. Then, we have countries like Costa Rica, Philippines, Haiti, Sri Lanka, and Pakistan release small amounts of, relatively small amounts of CO2, but are suffering the worst from climate change due to hurricanes and other storms wiping out buildings, causing mass flooding, and it's making it hard for these countries to survive because they're still developing. They don't have a lot of money, they don't have as many resources, and they don't have a fast network to fix all of this damage than we have in the U.S. or other developed countries. It takes much longer. And the problem isn't energy use, it's responsible energy use, the sources. But the sources that we get our energy from, like solar panels and windmills, at the same time, coal is highly accessible to anyone. All of this, you know, is leading up to our entire climate change problem. But either way, getting back to the conference part wasn't really, like, revolutionary. There was a push, but it didn't really succeed. In fact, There was a deal set up to phase out or essentially stop the use of coal by 2030. But India wanted it supplied to only unnecessary forms of coal use. And as I said, it's it's justifiable because not everyone has access to solar panels and it's just easier. And China, on the other hand, they were threatening to ruin the whole deal if the wording of this deal wasn't changed to phase down. So, I mean... It's not like our global leaders are very cooperative in this entire thing and trying to get it under control. 
Either way, the rules for a carbon market was finalized. And essentially what a carbon market is, is where there, there are these carbon credits that are equal to one ton of carbon dioxide. And a country or company is given a certain amount of them to use, which would allow them to emit more. But at the same time, it sort of like counteracts the amount that's emitted with a ton removed. So countries or companies who have leftover carbon credits, they can sell it to other countries or companies. And Brazil alone, they're expected to make $100 billion by selling carbon credits because they have all of the Amazon rainforest. And finally, as I said before, conference wasn't really considered a success. We still have a humongous global problem with cooperation and getting climate change under control. But they're scheduled to meet again next year. The standards definitely will be much higher. Will they deliver? I don't know. But we'll have to wait and see. Because the world's getting worse. And if everyone doesn't take warnings from this, I mean, what else do we need to see to really get us to take action? And that was pretty much it for these last couple of weeks, folks. But still do have one last daily roundup happened a decently long time ago but still the infrastructure bill has been officially signed by president biden um back in spring when the bill was first announced we had the outline of a nationwide game-changing bill that would provide resources to scientific research rebuilding our roads and bridges giving incentives to automobile companies to build electric cars and a whole lot more And yes, while it's still mostly the bill that we started out with, it's a whole lot smaller by around $2 trillion. Probably because it was negotiated down to a price that both some Democrats and all Republicans really liked. And the other side progressives who really wrote the original package, it wasn't their first choice, but they really wanted to get this bill passed, so they approved it. Either way, that was pretty much it for this week. Please feel free to join our mailing list. All you need to do is send an email to politicsmaltics2020 at gmail.com. That email is also located on our website. Also, feel free to spread word about this podcast here on uncle, cousins, friends, family, anyone really. It's Christmas time. People are going to be coming over. And feel free to rate us on Apple Podcasts. Great way to give me feedback and make this podcast bigger. You were listening to Politics Schmaltics, and these were the weeks leading up to 12, 12, 2021.